I will bring this up at the next FCA meeting. We'll see what happens. No, it's all right. Before we get started this morning, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us a chance to come together to worship you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit be among us, that it work through us. Lord, that these words this morning will not be my words, but your words. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, as we continue to move into knowing what it means to be blessed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? The, the name of the message is hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. See, Bobby, you weren't here last week, but I knew that you would love, and you, you were gone for a good reason, that's okay, but you were hashtag blessed. I knew you would like this. Because there's some people who, we, we took a look at what some people use, remember, we took a look at some tweets and Facebook things that some people use hashtag blessed for. And so we want to take a look at a couple things this morning. John, there was a guy in a town called Pawnee, Indiana. His name was Tom Haverford. And he said this, he said, four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. Some of you guys will get that joke. It's okay. It's Parks and Rec. It's how, that's how it goes. There's another comedian that said this, a piece of bacon fell out of my sandwich and I caught it before it hit the ground. Hashtag blessed. Right? Say, Bobby, you like that? I knew you'd like that. Hashtag blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? We have now today, we've taken this word and replaced it maybe for the word lucky. Say, oh, I, oh I'm, I'm blessed. That means I'm lucky. Four green lights in a row. I mean, I must be blessed. And I know that's you know, having fun and we're kind of joking around about it, but we overuse the word so much today. What does it mean to be blessed? If you remember last week, we started with the tale of two brothers. How many remember who, what their names were? Esau and Jacob. Jacob. And everybody remembers, what does Esau mean? It means Harry. Why, why does it mean Harry? Why was he named Harry? Because he was Harry. Because he came out of the womb and he was Harry. So they named him Harry. It is such original naming. It is great. If I came out of the womb and my parents named me Baldy, it would be a, yeah, I know. It's how it goes. It would be essentially the same thing. They just picked the, the biggest characteristic about him, and that's what they named him. Then they named, then they, and he, he was like the jock. He was a skilled hunter, right? And of course, he was Isaac's favorite. His father Isaac, he was his favorite. And then we have Jacob. What does the name Jacob mean? Deceiver, supplanter, deceiver. He was a thinker. And he was his mother's favorite. They were fighting ever since they were in the womb. Fighting ever since they were in the womb. Remember, Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew, right? And then Jacob still needed the, that blessing from Isaac because he wanted the blessing of the firstborn. How many remember what the blessing of the firstborn was? You got double the portion of the inheritance of everybody else, that you were basically king of the castle and lord of the manor. If you got the firstborn blessing, you were living it up. You were good. Isaac, who was old and blind, tells Esau that he's about to die. He feels that it's coming on. So he tells Esau to go out into the woods, go out into the, into the area and go and hunt and, and bring him back some food for that uh, I like the I like the wording that he uses. He uh, the savory food that I like. 
Isaac liked savory food. He said, that savory food that I like, go and get that. Fix that for me. And after I've eaten, I will bless you. And so Esau leaves. Remember this last week? And as he left, Rebekah, the mother, was listening in. She was spying on Isaac and Esau. And she runs to her son Jacob and says, go and get some goats. Remember this? They get the goats. She makes the soup. She makes the stew. And I, uh, Jacob says, well, I don't smell like Esau. So he puts on Esau's clothes so he'll smell like Esau. And then he says, but mom, I don't, I don't, I have smooth skin. I'm not hairy like Esau. And so she takes the goat hair and puts it on his skin. So that when he goes to Isaac, because Isaac says, well, your voice sounds like Jacob, but your hands feel like Esau. You smell like Esau. Are you sure you're Esau? And of course, Jacob's like, yep, I'm Esau. Because Jacob wants the blessing. Jacob wants the blessing of the firstborn. Genesis 27, 28 through 29 is the first scripture. And this is the blessing that Isaac gives Jacob. It says this, May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. Let nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. It was this incredible, incredible blessing. And remember last week, just as Jacob leaves the tent, Esau gets back from his hunting trip. Esau comes back from just as he leaves the tent. This is where we left last week. Go to the next slide. It says this. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? Remember, he couldn't see. And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Now, I want you to prepare yourselves because it's about to hit the fan. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine being Isaac? Can you imagine being Isaac and hearing this? Hearing, I'm your firstborn. I'm here. I'm ready to give you your food. I'm ready for the blessing. You hear this and you start putting the pieces together. Pretty soon, things start making sense because Isaac's reaction is incredible. Look at the next slide. It says this. Then Isaac trembled very. How, how many ever been angry? How many ever been upset? How many ever just been, I mean, mad? You know what I'm saying? Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. And yes, He shall be blessed. Who was it then? As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. Bless me, even me also, my father. Esau here, Isaac is beyond angry. I mean, he's, he's shaking. He's so mad. 
Have you, have you ever been so mad you've been shaking? I've been there. Just so mad you see red. How many ever been, uh, let's just be, uh, let's be a little transparent this morning. How many ever been that mad? I've been there. You get so mad, you just get, I mean, you see red. And Esau is even more mad. He becomes desperate. He says this, he says, just, just, okay, I get that you gave away this blessing, but give me the same blessing. Well, Isaac has some more bad news for him. Go to the next slide. He says this, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is it not right that he's named Jacob? Sorry, Jacob. For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? He goes, Father, I get that, you know, this guy, he cheated me. Father, don't you have anything left for me? And the bad news just keeps getting worse. Because go to the next slide. Isaac says to him, answers and says to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you. And all his brothers and I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What can I do for you, son? Jacob has the blessing. What can I do for you, son? Esau hears this and he gets even more desperate. I mean, he gets even more desperate. His voice cracks. Tears are streaming as he asks his father the last question. It says this, go to the next slide. And Esau said to his father, don't you have one blessing for me, my father? Bless me. Even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Remember last week we talked about the entitlement that Esau had. Like a sports figure who, who has every door open to him and kills his dream for drugs or sex. Like a celebrity who has every door open to them and they just they kill it all. Esau, I believe, is beginning to understand that the walls are crumbling around him. That his kingdom is coming to its knees. And he lifts up his voice and wept before his father. I imagine that Isaac's heart was a bit broken here too. Esau was his firstborn. His beloved son. But the blessing was gone. It was given away. And what did he have left for his firstborn but the truth? What did he have left to give him but the truth? So he gives him the truth. Go to the next slide. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. One translation puts it this way. You'll live far away from the earth's bounty and remote from heaven's dew. You'll live by your sword, hand to mouth, and you'll serve your brother. And when you can't make it, can't take it anymore, you'll break loose and run free. Do you understand here? Isaac's blessing is almost anything but. 
I'm sorry, Isaac's blessing on Esau is almost anything but. He has no choice but to give Esau what he had coming. He has no choice. He had given up his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. And now the consequences would come. Esau, he leaves the tent with extreme anger. Extreme anger. One translation says that he was seething with anger. He's so mad he can't see straight. So mad. I mean, have you ever just made a decision in anger? I remember uh, I, I told uh, Carol today that I have uh, uh, notes for that will last us to twelve forty-five, uh, but she said she's leaving at noon, so I got to get through this. So <laughs> I remember when I was in seventh grade. In seventh grade, I was sitting in my classroom, and I overheard a, a boy in the hallway speaking about me to other people. And as he was speaking, I could feel myself getting angrier and angrier. And he was just ragging on me and going off on me. And that David Hovinga, he's such a, you know, so-and-so and this and this. And probably some of the same things you guys say about me. It's okay. Uh, he was... <laughs> He was just going off and I was just, I was overhearing it and he didn't know that I could hear him. And I was just getting madder and madder and madder. And pretty soon I just, I was out of myself. I jumped up. I ran out. I took him and I shoved him against the wall. And he looked at me and he said, does that make you happy? That made me madder. I got suspended from school. It was the day before Christmas break. I get home and my mom looks at me and she says these words, I don't even know why you came home. I got an extra day of Christmas vacation out of it. That's about the good part of the story. I used to have real, huge, massive problems with anger in my life. Crazy problems with anger. I couldn't control it at times. Esau is in this place to where he is so mad. He's so angry. He's he's seen red. That he makes a decision. He says this. Go to the next slide. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill Jacob. I will kill him. Everyone knew Isaac's time was coming. Death, it seemed, was knocking at his door. And as soon as the mourning period is over, Esau says, I'm going to kill my brother. And here's the thing. Esau is so mad that he's either... Have you ever been so mad that you talk to yourself? Yeah, come on. Come on. You, I can't believe that person. I can't believe, right? Come on, I've been there, right? You're in your car and you're driving and your teeth are gritted and, right? Bryce, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. You're like the nicest guy I know, so. <laughs> Esau's so mad that he's talking, he's either talking to himself or talking to somebody else about killing his brother. Because the Bible tells us that someone overhears it. 
Someone overhears this plan and runs to Rebecca, the mother. Rebecca fears for Jacob and she warns him. Go to the next slide. She says this, but the words of Esau, her older brother, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fear he turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Like that will ever happen. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I lose you both in one day? This is the heart of a mother. I don't want to lose my sons. And then she does. uh, Here's the thing. We are here with Isaac dying. Esau is in a murderous rage. And and Rebekah is warning Jacob to leave. She does something next that is both funny and disturbing at the same time. She goes to Isaac and she says these words. I like this. Go to the next slide. She says, I loathe my life because of these Hittite women. She's just, she's talking to her husband. And this is what she says. I loathe my life because of these women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be? Now, if you, if, 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 I love this scene because there's a very real aspect of marriage here. There's a very real aspect. She, Rebecca wants something. She wants something, but doesn't come out and say exactly what she wants. If you're married, you might be able to relate to this. Bobby's laughing because she's not married. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, listen, she complains to her husband about one thing, hoping that it will lead to what she wants. See, she wants Jacob to leave. She also wants Isaac to tell him to leave. Instead of just coming out and and saying to Isaac, this is what I want, she goes into passive-aggressive mode. I mean, she really, I mean, this is all passive-aggressive. She goes, man, I can't stand these Hittite women. I can't stand these Hittite women. This This would be as if Carol went up to Doug and said, Doug, I can't stand these Estervillian women. Boy, they're just driving me nuts. I swear, if if Evan marries one of these Estervillians, I I don't know what the Ester, yeah? Better than anything else? Okay. If if Evan marries one of these Esterville women, I I might as well just kill myself. That's That's what's happening here. Well, Doug doesn't like this. So here's what Doug says to Evan, or Isaac says to Jacob. Go to the next slide. Oh, wait, no, go back, go back, go back. Sorry. It's not in there. It's in here. She says, because uh, Rebecca, Rebecca here is pretty kind of conniving. And it's pretty smart. It really is. She knows that if she complains enough, Isaac will take action. How many husbands can say amen? Ooh, the brave ones. (laughs) How many wives can say amen? Oh boy. We're going to pray over everyone next after the service here. Here's what's funny about Isaac. He calls in Jacob. Imagine Doug calling in Evan. And he says this. He says these words. He says, listen, my son, you don't want to marry any of the women living here. But 
your mother's brother, listen to this carefully, your mother's brother has some daughters that would be just right for you. Go therefore and multiply. Now, if you're staying with me, if you haven't put this together yet, Isaac just told Jacob to go and marry one of his cousins. Evan. That'd be Doug saying, hey, Evan, you know, uh, people in Estherville, not, not, not too great. But boy, you got some pretty cousins over there you might want to talk to. This is what Isaac says to Jacob. Now, I want to say this. While it's culturally acceptable at the time, it's still pretty icky if you think about it. Think about it too much, it's a little icky. Uh, I once had a young man in a church uh, ask me about a girl. And he came to me and he told me about her. He said that he had a crush on her. This young man said he had a crush on her. It was, by the way, I'll just preface this. It was not at this church. Amen? (laughs) I asked her her name and the answer that he gave me threw me for a loop because she had the same last name as him. Now, uh, this was in Louisiana. And no, it's okay. (laughs) Well, the last name was very, a very common name in Louisiana. Uh, and while I wasn't very familiar with the culture, I still recognized that this might be an issue. I still recognize you know, this might be a, an issue. I asked him if there was any relation. And I kid you not, his reply was this. Well, maybe a third cousin. I see mouths dropped open there. He says, maybe a third cousin. And I, I'm going to advise him. I advised him the same way I want to advise any single people here today. If you can run into them at a family reunion, you might want to stay away. Okay, that is not a dating pool for any means. I'm just saying, this is what I had to tell this guy. I said, ah, if, if she doesn't have to change her last name when you get married, you might want to steer clear. This is what Isaac tells Jacob. It's culturally acceptable, I get it, but it's still kind of icky. But Jacob leaves and travels to his uncle's home. He is a man named Laban. Now, without going into the entire story and going into everything that happens, because we only have a short amount of time, I want to give you a synopsis. Jacob, because I don't want to get too far off track of what's happened, what's happening with Esau and Jacob. So I want to give you a synopsis. He goes to his uncle Laban. He sees that Laban has two daughters. Let's not think about the fact that they're his cousins. The older is named Leah. The younger is named Rachel. Leah is described as having, quote-unquote, weak eyes. This is probably the nicest boy possible of saying she probably wasn't the prettiest girl at the dance. You see that girl over there? Yeah. What do you think? She has weak eyes. She wasn't the prettiest girl at the dance. Rachel, however, is said to have been stunningly beautiful. The Bible says she's stunningly beautiful. Through a series of circumstances that we'll definitely get into on a later date, I want to say that, Jacob marries both of them, becomes very wealthy, and at this point has 11 sons, the last of which is named Joseph. And now we arrive back where the sermon started last week. Last week, remember, we started with Jacob being afraid. He divided his children and his flocks so that some may survive to what he feels is impending doom. 
The source of the fear is because messengers came to Jacob and they let him know that Esau was on his way to meet him with 400 men. Remember this? This is how we started this last week. He was bringing 400 men. Jacob had sent a message of peace and his brother, it seems, returns a statement of war. He's going to meet his brother. His brother's coming to meet him, but his brother's not coming alone. Jacob then prays to God. And I want to say this. His prayer is so familiar to me. His prayer is so familiar. It seems that in his desperation, Jacob cries out to God. And personally, I can relate to that. I want you to listen to this prayer and see if you can't relate to it. Go to the next slide. It says this. Listen to this. Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love. I'm not worthy of the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two camps. Go next slide. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. How many can relate to this prayer? I can relate. It sounds familiar to me. How many times have I prayed, Lord, you have shown me so much love and faithfulness, but I am not worthy of it. Lord, you spoke to my heart, but it now seems that all is lost. Lord, please deliver me from my enemy. Remember the promises you gave me. Lord, keep me safe from harm. How many know that He is faithful and His love is everlasting? Amen? His love is steadfast. So then Jacob does this. He gathers gifts for his brother Esau and he sends them with messengers. He sends them with messengers. He then sends his close family across the stream. And now he's here in this place alone. He's here in this place, in this moment of aloneness. The most significant thing that will ever happen in his life is about to take place. This moment of aloneness. Genesis 32, 24-26 says this, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now this is a very different scene because we thought he was left alone. But now a man wrestles with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I don't want there to be any confusion here. Jacob is alone, but encounters a messenger of God in his aloneness. He literally is wrestling with an angel of God. When the angel sees that Jacob was not letting go, he knocked his hip socket out of joint. Jacob still wouldn't let go. Have you ever been in a wrestling match? Have you ever been in a wrestling match? You're holding on to somebody. Somebody's holding on to you and they're trying to push you off of them. And now you're, you're in this wrestling match. I believe Jacob had an understanding of who he was wrestling. He didn't ask for mercy or pity. 
He didn't cry tears of woe is me. He didn't try to overtake him with a weapon. He just held on. He just held on having that desperation to be as close to the presence of God as possible. When his hip is knocked out of joint, the pain is searing through his body. He's still holding on. He refused to give into his circumstance. He refused to give into his emotions. He refused to give into his pain. He held tightly and let this angel of God know he was not giving in. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't letting go until he received a blessing from God. I imagine this angel saying, Jacob, let go. And Jacob saying, no. Jacob, let go. I'm not letting go. Jacob, let go. I'm not letting go of your presence. Jacob, let go. I'm not letting go of your glory. Jacob, let go. I'm not letting go of my calling. Jacob, let go. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Do you understand the desperation that Jacob was in? Have you ever been there in your life to where you say, I need to grab a hold of the throne room of God and I'm not letting go until He touches me? I'm not letting go until He blesses me. When was the last time we got there in our lives? Lord, I need Your presence. I need You more. I don't need just a service on Sundays. I need to feel You on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when my week is going straight down the pipes. I need You now. I'm not letting go until You bless me. Have you ever been there? Finally, the angel asks him another question. He says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. The angel says, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. For you have strived with both God and men, and you have prevailed. Your name is changed from deceiver to wrestler of God. Jacob asks him this question, please tell me your name. He responds, why is it that you ask my name? He knows that Jacob knows. The, the, The angel knows that Jacob knows. And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. Listen to this. And yet my life has been delivered. The Bible ends the encounter with these words. He ends the the encounter with these words. I love this. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penwell. And he was limping because of his hip. See, Jacob's blessing didn't come without some lumps. It didn't come without some consequences. It didn't come without a reminder. 
He encountered God as one man and left the encounter entirely changed. He, he walked differently now. He encountered God and now he, he walked differently. What, what happened to Jacob? He, he used to walk fine. Now he walks with a limp. You don't understand. He experienced God. Now he walks differently. He looks differently. When you experience God in your life, and I don't mean just a little tingle and a little tear. I mean when you experience the throne room of God, it will change your very life. Amen? It will change your very life. He walks with a limp now. He would no longer be known as the deceiver. He's going to be known as Israel. And it's shortly after this that that God establishes again the name change. He blesses him again. He encounters Esau a short while after this. He encounters Esau. Remember, Esau is coming with his 400 men. And it seems that while God was working on Jacob, he was also working on Esau. See, we don't ever look at this part of the story because... He was also working on Esau. The Bible says that, that he ran to his brother. He ran to his brother, that he embraced him, that he hugged his neck, that he, he wept with him. They reconciled their differences. He loves on his brother. God was working on Esau at the same time he was working on Jacob. You say, my enemy is against me. Don't you worry. God is working on them too. Come on. It seems like the enemy is against me. I, this person at my work just won't leave me alone. This person in my school, just don't you worry. God's working on them too. You say, Lord, work on me. Thank you for working on them too. See, this all came at a cost. Jacob is different now. Esau is different. What's interesting here is that if in the in the beginning of the account they are waiting for Isaac to die? This is at least fourteen years have passed by, more than likely about twenty, and Isaac is still alive. Isaac, their father, is still alive. His death only comes a little bit later, and the Bible says that Jacob and Esau came together and they buried him as brothers. Not as enemies, as brothers. The question that was first posed at the beginning of the sermon last week was simply this. What does it mean to be blessed? In the case of Jacob, we see what does it take to be blessed? What does it take to be blessed? It takes courage and desperation. It takes laying down your old deceitful self and embracing who it is God meant you to be. Blessing isn't just stuff and things. It takes wrestling with God and being desperate for His presence. Not letting go until He blesses you. And when He does, I promise you it will change you forever. You may walk differently. There might be some scars and you might have to take your lumps. But if you're desperate for Him, He will bless you. What does it mean now? What does it mean to be blessed? It doesn't mean you'll never experience pain or hurt. 
It means that you're encountering God in your life and you are desperate to spend time with Him. And at times you will wrestle with Him. That's okay. That's okay. God's big enough. He can take it. It's okay. The Bible says in Psalms, I love this, Blessed are those who walk according to the Lord and seek Him with all their heart. Blessed are those who walk according to the Lord and seek Him with all their heart. Last week, I told you my prayer for you is that you would experience God more deeply than you ever have this next year. And that out of that relationship would flow blessings into your life. My prayer is that you would be blessed. Not because of what you've done or or what you have, but because you've encountered God more deeply than you ever have before, and it will change you forever. Amen? Amen? I want to walk differently this year. You hear what I'm saying? I want to walk differently this year. I want you to walk differently this year. I want us to walk differently because we had an encounter with God. And we wouldn't let go until he knocked our hip out of joint. And then we wouldn't let go. And he said, let go, and we wouldn't let go until you bless me. I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. How many want to encounter God more deeply this year? I want to encounter his presence more deeply. Let's stand together. Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for this account that we have of Jacob turned to Israel. There's so many times in my life when it seems I'm wrestling with things. Lord, I pray this next year that we would have an encounter with you. That we would know you more deeply than ever before. That it would change how we walk, how we talk. It would change this church from the inside out. That the people in this church would just reach ever more deeply for your presence. I pray that worship services overtake our agendas. I pray that praise services overtake our plans. That we would experience an encounter with your glory and leave walking differently. We pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Remember, if you're interested in the Mexico mission trip, we're going to have a meeting at 12.05. The meeting's going to last five minutes. So please be here at 12.05. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Smith.